Amen. Appreciate that. And if you have your Bibles uh, this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, there's times um, when uh, my computer and my uh, various things of technology that we like to use uh, need a reset. You know, they just stop working and they, they like to freeze up. Uh, and how do you fix a lot? The first thing you call the help desk, what do they ask you to do? Unplug it, wait 10 seconds, plug it back in. What does that do? It resets that electronic, whatever it is, whether it's computer or whatever it might be. And sometimes things just get clogged up, and that refresh or restart uh, helps kind of clear out the, the junk and the trash, if you will, the clutter. Uh, and then most of the time, that fixes it, doesn't it? Uh, that fixes it. And can I tell you that in our spiritual life, there's times when we get so bogged down and so... Uh, filled with with junk in our life that we have to hit the reset button. We have to unplug and replug back in uh, because we're just sluggish and we're not uh, being as effective and uh, near the Lord as we should be and as we need to be. And I'm thankful that the Lord is always there for us. Uh, that we can never wander so far that if we'll call out to him, he will not rescue us. Uh, And I'm so thankful for that. I hope you are too. And so I'm going to tell you that I think all of us have uh, times when we need to hit that reset button. Uh, I can tell you that churches, even our church, and we're going through a period right now in our church where we're trying to hit the reset button and and restart some things and and get some momentum going in the work of the Lord. Uh, And so this morning we're going to talk about what are important things to do as we look to reset our relationship with the Lord. So let's take a look at the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. It says this, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a uh, wonderful reminder and a needed message for all of us 
uh, to hear. And maybe you're at that time. Maybe this is just a reminder to you. Maybe it's you don't need it today. File it away because you will need it sooner or later. Uh, but chances are either you are personally or you know somebody that is in that state where they just are just kind of going along. They're not really making any headway. There's, there's dryness in their relationship with the Lord. And, you know, it seems like the cares of this world just keep piling up and piling up and piling up. And the reality is this world does have cares, and they do continue to pile up, but with Jesus, they pile up on him, not on us. If he's the Lord of our life. And so Jesus reminds us here in these just six verses. uh, He had just been asked, uh, talked about in the beginning of this chapter, um, talking about John the Baptist and how John had gone before him and how he was a faithful messenger. And then in verse 20, he pronounces judgment on uh, cities that rejected God's word. And then he prays just a short prayer. And it's a weird prayer. He says, Lord, thank you that you have hidden these things from the smart folks and you revealed them to the kids. And that nobody can understand and know the Father except for the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and the one to who the Son wishes to reveal himself to. And so the cares of this world are great. But we serve a God that can handle all the cares of this world. We were never made to carry them. We were never made to endure some of the things that we ask ourselves to endure. And the reality is we have to remind ourselves over and over again, we were not made for this world at all. Peter says we're just pilgrims passing through. We're sojourners on a journey on a way to an eternal place that's our real home. But can I tell you that if you're a child of God and you allow the things of this world to beat you down, you'll be beaten down. And you'll be discouraged and you'll be depressed and if you're not careful, you'll end up defeated. But here's the thing, the child of God should never be defeated because we have victory in Christ. But understand this, friend, if you try to fight the battles on your own, you will be defeated every single time. Because the battle is not yours. The Bible reminds us the battle is the Lord's. And the Lord fights our battles for us. Now that doesn't mean we just sit by and take an endless retreat. Or say, well, hey, the Lord's got it. Case, hey, Ross, say, well, raw, whatever's going to be is going to be. No. Uh, we still are smart. We still are doing things that the Lord asks us to do and following his leadership. But when there's so much going on in this world and we have so many cares of this world piled up on us, it's hard to hear the voice of God. Because God doesn't speak most of the time in tornadoes and whirlwinds and trumpets, although he does on occasion. Most of the time, 
he speaks in a small, still voice. And when somebody is whispering, you've got to very intently listen, don't you? If you're going to hear them. And sometimes for some of us, even when we're intently listening, our ears don't work quite as well as they once did when we were younger. And so we can't hear as well, and we have to double up our efforts. And maybe sometimes use devices like hearing aids that some of us forget to charge up and, and even sometimes wear, uh, that, that God gives us uh, the ability. And so what does it take to find a reset that we can cast off all these cares on the Lord. Because here in G- Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 11, he said, cast your cares on me. And so what do we need to do? Well, I think the answer, I think there's three things, conveniently enough. So I often do, I find three things. Uh, but they're usually there. I don't have to make them up. But Jesus says the first thing that you need to do if you're going to hit the reset button is you need to understand first the need to recenter. Notice what Jesus said. He said, come to me. He said, come to me. He wouldn't have to say, come to me, if you are already there. And so I think the fact that he says, come to me, Jesus wants us to understand that it's possible for us to wander away. And here's a truth that we need to understand, friends. If Jesus is not as near to us as he once was, it's not God that's moved. It's us. Because here's what the wiles of the devil does. It's kind of like in the ocean. If you've ever been swimming out in the ocean... You can walk just a little bit and think you're close to the shore and you're walking in a straight line, but there's an undertow. And that undertow is constantly catching you and making you drift. And if you're not careful and if you're not watching, eventually you think you're over there where you were, but really you're quite far away from where you were. Maybe you didn't even move, but the water moved for you. Because the water doesn't stay still. And friend, as you go through this life, if you are not intentional about constantly recentering your life around the things of Christ, you will get far away from Him. But here's the good news. All we have to do is call out to Him, and He'll bring us back to Him. When we take that first step, I think about Peter when he jumped out on the boat, you remember that, and he walked on water as we preached through the Gospel of Mark. That was one of the incidents that Mark records. And you remember that that was a marvelous thing. Nobody ever had done that before except for Peter. Pretty amazing. And Peter walked on water for a little bit. But then the Gospels tell us that the wind was blowing. And when the wind blows, the waves get bigger. And so Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the waves. And what happened? He began to sink. Now he knew how to swim. 
He was a fisherman. He spent all of his life on water, so he, he knew how to swim. But as he was falling down, you remember what he cried out? He said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and lifted him back up and brought them both into the boat. And then said, Peter, why did you not believe? Why did you put your eyes on the things of this world? Well, the reason is, That's what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you defeated, and he wants you discouraged. He wants you to believe that there's no reason to go on, that there's no hope, and there's no victory. But when Jesus is our center, and we're near him, we're hearing his voice much louder than the voice of this world. The closer you are to something, the easier it is to hear. Probably the louder, the louder it is and the clearer it is. And so Jesus says, come to me. The answer, and the first thing we have to do in hitting this reset button, and wanting to find freedom in Christ and knowing what it is to cast off the junk of this world and the things that are weighing us down is not just to wallow in self-pity, but the answer is to get closer to the Lord. Because He's the one that's able to handle all that junk and process it and know what to do with it. Most of the things that we worry about in this life, there's one of two things that's true about them. One... Most of the time, those things we worry about never come to pass. But we've spent a lot of time and we've gotten ulcers because we've worried ourselves sick about them, and then it never happens. Or two, it does come to pass, but there's nothing we can do to change it. And so our worry hadn't done anything to help our problem. Worry never solves anything, but giving it to the Lord does. Peter says in, uh, I believe it's First Peter, he says, Cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4 to cast all our burdens to the Lord. To bring our petitions boldly before the throne of grace that we might find trouble in time of need. Why can we do that? We can only do that if Jesus is our center. And we need to be near Him. And in fact, the goal of the Christian life, I'm going to suggest to us, and the goal of, of the church's very existence is to corporately and individually grow closer and closer to the Lord. Because the closer we are to the Lord, the more that the Lord is able to use us. And so it's that we say, hey, listen, I need to be near the Lord. So he says, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. You see, the things in this life is 
that weigh us down, we need to give to Jesus and let him do something because he is the one that can do something about it. We cannot do anything about it. And so part of our faith and trust in the Lord is understanding that he's the savior of the world, not us. And yet sometimes we put so much on ourselves that we get a savior combo. We think that if we don't do it, nobody else can do it. Well, the reality is you can't do it either. Jesus can. Jesus may use you to help get it done, but it's ultimately him that's doing it. And his grace and his strength, his power, his provision is what gets it done. So Jesus says, listen, people, you need to recenter yourselves around Christ. If you worry and put all your thoughts into this world, and that's all you think about, this world will destroy you. Sometimes we get so busy doing stuff, and sometimes even good stuff, that we wear ourselves out. We don't have time for church. We don't have time for prayer. We don't have time for reading our Bibles. And that's not what God wants. That's what Satan wants. But it's not what God wants. And so if you say, you know what? I really need a reset in my life. The first step is recognizing you need to be closer to Jesus. It's not God that's moved. It's you. But God is so gracious and loving that just like David in the Old Testament, you remember God called, he called out to God after a sin. He said, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It wasn't David's salvation. It was the Lord's. The Lord is the one that we need to be at the center of our life. And here's the thing, when God is at the center of our life, everything else has a way of falling in place. You say, well, I need to get my kids, my kids need to be my number one priority, or my spouse needs to be my number one priority, or my job. All those things are important. But none of those things are more important than your relationship with God. And if you allow... Friend, I'm just going to be honest with you, there are a lot of parents these days that put their relationship with their children above God. And they allow children to take them out of church because they're involved in other things. That's a sermon for another day. But understand this. God needs to be at the center of your life. And when God is at the center of your life, he will also be at the center of your marriage, of your family, and your work. And if he's not the center, then everything else in your world is, out of, is in chaos because it's not the way God created it to be. And the answer to fix that is to reset it by saying, God, all right, I'm putting you back in the middle. You're the center of it. So he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But then I want us to see, secondly, that there's also not only a need to recenter, but there's a need to reaction. 
You see, he, said, he does say, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But then notice what the next sentence says. Take my yoke upon you. Now, some of you have no idea what a yoke is. It, Jesus lived in an agricultural society. Um, some of us uh, grew up on a farm and we know what a yoke is, but most of us probably did not. The yoke is a thing that they put over animals that would make them walk together. They put it over two cows or two horses or mules or whatever they were using to pull the wagon or plow the field, whatever they were doing, and that would make them stay together and make sure they were pulling in the same direction. And so we, sometimes we get this idea that, listen, all it is is about being. And our being has to be tied to Jesus. But there also is some doing that goes hand in hand with our being. Because if we are in Christ, then there's things that we necessarily must do. Not so that we can be saved, but because we are. And so he says, listen, if you're going to be mine, and you're going to find this rest that you so earnestly desire, then you have to do what I tell you to do. You have to surrender the lordship of your life to me. And I tell you that, uh, unfortunately, there's far too many of us that have the idea that salvation is a one-time decision. And all we have to do is one time, whether it's at church or home or wherever it might be, say a prayer and, you know, really mean it and surrender our life to God and whammo, bammo, that's all there is. And things are right. Listen, that's not the way it works. We have to constantly, every day, in fact, every moment of every day, constantly remind ourselves we are not our own. Paul says it that way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You've been bought with a price. Jesus shed his innocent blood. We talked about that a few weeks ago. To pay my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the whosoever's in the world. And so he says, you know what? You need to be back on my team, not only identified with me, but you need to be yoked with me. You need, you need to be tied together with me. You need to do the things that I do. Well, what kind of things did Jesus do? Well, Jesus prayed. Jesus worshipped. And can I tell you that if the Savior of the world, God himself, needed to pray every day, and he needed to be in church, friend, I'm going to tell you right now, you better believe you need it worse than he did. That's another sermon for another day, too. So he prayed. He went to church, what we would call church. He read the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. And more importantly, he lived out the scriptures. You see, if you only read the scriptures and live out the scriptures on Sunday you're really not living them out. Because if you're one way on Sunday and you're another day when the clock hits Monday and you go off to work, you're not really saved. 
You're not really a child of God. You're not really yoked with Jesus. Because you see, when you're yoked, that, that horse or mule or cow or whatever it is that's yoked with another one can't just decide he doesn't want to be yoked no more. They're bound together. And until the farmer takes that yoke off of them, they're yoked together. And you see, you cannot be a child of God on Sunday and live like the devil Monday through Saturday and expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I've noticed that, you know, they, they live like the devil, but they're at church every Sunday. And they think that's going to get them to heaven. That God's just going to overlook all that junk in their life and all the wrongs that they've done because they were at church on Sunday. Wrong. You see, we come to church on Sunday not because we're perfect, but because we realize we need grace. And the reality is the more grace we receive, the more we realize we need it. The more broken we are. And so we come to church not because we're perfect, but because we recognize we're not. But Jesus also served others. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Is your life helping others? Regardless of what you do, I think God gives all of us every day opportunities to help others. Are we doing it or do we spend all day, every day serving ourselves? Jesus says sometimes maybe your world seems to be falling apart because you're not doing the right things. Maybe you're not yoked to the right team. So understand this, that a child of God that wants to hit the reset button, you want to be near to God, you want to see God work in your life, you've got to do the things that God says do. So you've got to pray, you've got to read your Bible, you've got to do those things. And again, not so that you earn salvation. You can't do anything to earn salvation. You can't buy it, you can't be good enough. God just gives it to you. You learn in Sunday school, he imputes it to you. In other words, he gives it to you and there's nothing you can do about it, as Bill said. But here's the thing. If you've received that, it impacts who you are and how you live your life. It doesn't matter. You could say, hey, I'm a Christian, but if there's not actions that back that up, your words are empty. And you're not really a Christian. And so sometimes, in order to reset, to that reset button reminds us of our need to react, that there's things that we have to recommit ourselves to. There's an old saying, uh, I think I saw it on a, a church sign one time, it said, Bibles that are falling apart belong to somebody that isn't. And there's a lot of truth to that. If your Bible is collecting up dust, your life is probably collected up dust too. And it's a hot mess. 
And I know we have, a lot of us have our Bibles on our phones or our tablets or computers now. And that's, but you know what we're trying to say? You know what? If you use the Bible, it, it's going to have signs of wear. Leslie, what Bible? It's the pages, it's in sections because she's opened it so much and she's laid it flat so much that there's parts of it that are separated from the binding. That doesn't happen if a book just sits on a shelf and you don't ever use it. We need to use our Bibles. Not just to read it. Do we need to read it? Yeah, you need to read your Bible. But friend, can I tell you, you also need to live it. You need to do what it says. God didn't just tell, just like uh, you probably had teachers or parents that asked you, am I talking just to hear myself talk? Now hopefully you were never brave enough to answer how you really probably thought, because you probably thought, yes, you do. Because uh, you would have been in big trouble. It would have gotten a lot worse. God does not just speak. And His Word, the Bible, is God speaking to us. To hear Himself speak. He speaks so that we can absorb it and live out its truths. And so there's this need to recenter. And there's a need to react. To do some things. But then lastly, friends, there's a need to rejoice. Can I tell you something? What can turn your darkness and the gloominess around probably quicker than anything else is just rejoicing in what the Lord has done for you. Paul, through the book of Philippians, wrote that letter to the Philippi church when he was in prison. When he was being persecuted for preaching the gospel. And yet over and over and over again throughout that letter, you know what he talks about? Joy. He said, in all things be joyful. Rejoice in everything. And here, when Jesus gives us this, he says, listen, what leads to our rejoicing is that Jesus is gentle and lowly or humble in heart. And we'll find rest. The yoke is easy and is burden in light. In other words, it's not difficult. It's not taxing, in other words. Jesus does not intend for our life of serving Him to be a drudgery. There are sometimes we get up and say, Oh man, it's Sunday, I've got to get dressed. I've got to go to church. I've got to sit in Sunday school. Got to hear that preacher preach for 30 minutes and bore him, play on my phone. And, uh, no, that should not be our attitude. Our attitude should be it's Sunday, and I get to go to the Lord's house and gather with the Lord's people, and I get to hear a sermon from God's Word. Are there other things we all could be doing today? Yeah, there's something all of us could be doing other than being here. There's plenty of people that chose to be somewhere else doing something else today. 
But understand this, that serving the Lord and living for Him is not a burden, it's a joy. There's an old hymn that says, count your blessings. It says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it might just surprise you what the Lord has done. You see, rejoicing is just praising God and saying, God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done, because even if God's not right now working the way you think He should, you can look back and say, well, He was there back then. And I tell you that if God was there back then, He's there now too. You just may not see it. But you praise Him and thank Him for it anyway. Say, Lord, I don't see it, I don't like it, but thank you that you are still God. And I know I can depend on you, and I can trust you. And then, friend, guess what? Just like God was there yesterday, God's there today, He'll be there tomorrow. And so we can trust Him. And we can trust that He's faithful. And that's reason for us to rejoice. That we do not have a heavy burden. And a restricting yoke. But rather, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, when we're living for Him and we're at the center serving Him and doing what He's asked us to do is not hard! Now, may not always be easy, but it's not hard. It's not difficult. Jesus endured the cross. I tell you that you're probably not facing anything as hard as that. But here's the thing, the things that you face, you don't have to face alone. Because when your life is centered around Jesus, He's right there with you. And you don't even have to holler like I think Peter probably did. I think Peter probably screamed and wallered about. And all he had to do was whisper, Lord, save me. And the Lord would have heard him. And are you close enough to the Lord where all you have to do is whisper to him and he hears you? And all he has to do is whisper to you and you hear him. Or does he have to come into your life with a two-by-four and wallop you upside the head? Because can I tell you, I know from experience, and all of you probably do too, God rather whisper, but if we don't listen to the whispers, he's coming with that two-by-four. He'll get our attention. Remember, you know, uh, none of us like receiving correction. I whole lot rather... When somebody's correcting me, whether it's mom or you know a boss or anyone else, they do it quietly and not have to be fussy and mad. And uh, it's never easy to receive correction, is it? But it's always a little easier to receive it when it's not given in anger. And I tell you that God would rather us just hear the whisper and say, "All right, Lord, let me shift back over here." Then him have to take us behind the woodshed. 
to get our attention. Because he will if he has to. But he'd rather not. Just like I think every parent would rather not have to discipline their children. I know grandparents would much rather not have to discipline their grandchildren. But it's necessary. If we love them. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. And Lord, thank you that you are a God of grace and love. You love us despite ourselves. And Lord, the reality is all of us sometimes in our life get to those places where it's harder to hear from you. And you just don't seem to be there. It doesn't seem like we're doing any good. Lord, when those things are present, perhaps it's because we're not centered on you. We're not near to you as we should be. We're not doing the things that you call us to do. Lord, we're busy. All of us are so busy that every day on every minute of every day it seems like it's filled up. So it's not that we don't have things to do, it's that we're doing things we probably shouldn't be doing. We're putting things that are seemingly so urgent but really aren't all that important in the grand scheme of things. But Lord, what's most important is you. And when you're at the center, everything else falls into place. And Lord, maybe there's one here today, and Lord, they've, they've never known what it was to have peace because they are not yoked with you. Would you help them today to come surrender to you and find new life and joy that comes from having a Savior that loves us and a God of great grace and mercy. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today, man, they're really struggling, Lord. And today, they, this message has been hitting straight at them. Lord, would you help them just to humbly call out to you, say, Lord, I need you. Lord, thank you that you will receive us just as we are, but you will not leave, leave us like you found us. That you will make us new. And that you will continue that process throughout our life until we spend eternity with you of becoming more and more like Jesus. God, help us remember that when things do get clogged up, all we need to do is push the reset button. And that simply is calling out to you, realizing that we're not near you, and it's not because you've moved, it's us that's moved. And to realize that if we'll take that first step back to you, you'll meet us the rest of the way. So, Lord, maybe there's that one that, Lord, it's just their life is spinning out of control. You help them to call upon you today. Might they receive that rest that they need. And the yoke that is light and easy. Not because this world's not here anymore, but because you're the one that's yoked next to us. And you're carrying the brunt of the load. Help us, we pray, to be ever near you.
you can just whisper and we'll obey. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this old invitation song, Just As I Am.